Your daughter is busy. She's trying her darndest to help you, but you, when she calls, you're thinking about, oh, I need to ask her about this or this or this, like concrete things that need to be done, right? Yeah. Wait a minute. Now I have my 85-year-old friend and we get to talk about the things I want to talk about, which I get to listen. So there's intimacy as I listen to her. She hears me. I hear her. So rich. Welcome to Startup Health Now, the podcast about the entrepreneurs shaping the future of health and the health moonshots they're working to achieve. I'm your host, Logan Plaster. In 2020, the coronavirus caused a societal lockdown like this generation has never seen before. One of the results was that people who were already isolated and lonely, like many seniors, were put into a desperate situation. Beth Sanders, CEO and co-founder of LifeBio, a company that's been with Startup Health since 2014, always had a heart for isolated and lonely seniors. She'd worked with them for years, helping them to tell their stories using what's called reminiscence therapy. But COVID-19 put LifeBio and this important work into overdrive. Not only was the work needed now more than ever, but LifeBio was able to connect the dots between fighting loneliness and improving health outcomes. It turns out a phone call with a trained conversationalist actually can fight depression, anxiety, and keep your mind mentally nimble. Their findings got the attention of health systems, insurance companies, and even won them a coveted SBIR grant. I caught up with Beth to learn more about how LifeBio works and the critical role of storytelling in healthcare, particularly in a post-COVID world. I hope you enjoy. All right, Beth Sanders, CEO and co-founder of LifeBio. Great to have you on this show once again. Welcome. Thank you, Logan. Glad to be here. So we have talked before about the work that you're doing at LifeBio. Um, I think it was maybe six months ago, right in the middle of COVID-19. Um, I want to get into the product and the, the platform you're developing, but I want to start kind of a little more high level. You're using storytelling in the healthcare space, and I want to just have you talk about that more generally. What is the power of storytelling in health? Why do the two come together? Storytelling is creating an incredible bridge between people. If we know nothing else from COVID, we know people feel isolated and lonely and need to be more connected to each other in a variety of ways. Uh, and when people do it for health and well being, it's amazing too because. It's been found to increase happiness and satisfaction with life or overall well-being. Uh, storytelling lowers depression. It lowers loneliness. And we are all facing those things today, aren't we? Yeah. COVID has reminded us all that it, it is not good to be isolated or feel lonely. And so it's a problem seniors have, people over 65 have, but we really all are in the same boat. And so storytelling is that bridge. Are the health metrics that are connected with that, uh, we, you mentioned depression, anxiety, uh, other, other challenges, are the health metrics, uh, have they always been there or are we growing in an understanding of the connection between storytelling and loneliness and these health metrics that we're all concerned about? We are growing in our understanding. You know, this idea was introduced by Dr. Robert Butler in 1963. He was 
the first head of the National Institute on uh, Aging. And he uh, he's a psychiatrist that saw that life review was okay, was normal. People like to reminisce. They like to tell their story. And so he founded this movement and there have been over a hundred studies, probably many more than that, that have studied the power of using reminiscence. Uh, what's new is ways to bring that to the masses and bring that more and more into the world of healthcare. Um, there's narrative medicine, there's ideas out there that are uh, happening. There's a lot of interest in, in human to human connection, more and more person centered care. You know, all these ideas are there. It's just what we've been trying to do is really focus in, laser focus on storytelling and reminiscence. So we have the Life Bio Reminiscence Method that we've been perfecting over many years. Okay, so that's a great segue to kind of break down the platform, what exactly you've built. We know it's reminiscence therapy, uh, we know it's some of its health applications, but kind of break it down for me. What is the Life Bio platform? So Life Bio has three parts. Uh, Lifebio.com happened first. It's just pure biography and storytelling. How do you make it easy for anybody to tell their story? That's lifebio.com. The second thing that happened was people said, hey, you know what? Older people, they're not all tech, tech, uh, all the way tech savvy. Can you offer this by phone? Can you offer this by phone? So myhello.com was born and it's providing ways to intervene in people's lives with a loneliness intervention with any phone. And so amazing with COVID that we've had this intervention called My Hello. The third thing that happened is Life Bio Memory. Life Bio Memory was uh, developed and is in the midst of being developed for people with uh, Alzheimer's and other forms of memory challenges. So we had already created Life Bio, but what if, love those two words, what if there's a Alzheimer's memory care, more, more, more friendly version uh, and so we, in the midst of this, and, and this has grown out of a uh, SBIR grant that is funding Life Bio Memory. Mm. Just to recap, Life Bio, then My Hello, then Life Bio Memory. Gotcha. That's all part of Life Bio's umbrella. When I last talked to you in the midst of COVID, uh, it was all about this My Hello concept. And I wonder what you've learned from that over the last six months. I think you were, it, you were just rolling it out at the time, or it was at least in its early phases. Now you've, you've gone through the summer, you've, you've been through the height, hopefully the height of COVID. Um, and what'd you learn? Yeah, we have been embraced by the mental health community. Does that, that surprise you? Fascinating. So we've been working with health plan uh, executives and those health plans already. But to find that the mental health communities like, you know, Adama boards and counties, um, mental health, you know, recovery boards were interested in this too. People needed a way to reach out to people in their homes. And even Did though there's traditional therapies out there, there's something absolutely beautiful about everyday ordinary uh, conversations that can be led with different topics. 
which are part of the Life Bio Reminiscence Method, right? Let's just ask people about their school experiences. Let's ask about their work. Let's ask about their family relationships. So that's one thing we've learned through COVID, that we have new clients uh, and, that are embracing and, it. Yeah, and you're seeing acceptance in the mental health uh, community. How, is, how are they seeing it as an adjunct and a complement to what they're providing? Yeah, you know, there's people that need, you know, serious uh, forms of, of therapy out there for sure. Uh, and then there are people who are isolated and lonely and that's their main problem and some of us can think of our own family members who just need more people to talk to and especially when they're isolated at home right they're not depressed maybe you know they may have they just are on oxygen and it's hard for them to get out yeah it was hard before and hard now so just they have chronic conditions that make it tough uh, they may not have a serious mental illness. Again, they're just lonely. So my hello is that perfect uh, way. The other thing we've learned is people love being matched up with each other. So to have a tech-enabled platform that uses anybody's phone and that I can match a 90-year-old in Texas with a 90-year-old in Michigan and they can talk about things that they know that their younger family members know nothing about, Hmm. That is magic. Now, if you want to talk about the ice man, the milk man, um, you know, your car breaking down in 1953. So, so my hello isn't just a young person calling a, a senior and chatting. It can also be a senior to senior uh, hookup yes. situation, yes. a connection. That's right. So there's my hello match, okay. which is this matching that we're doing. It's fascinating that we've also learned how to match people better and better over time. Okay. Uh, so it's a, bit of a, it's a bit of a dating service for conversation, for, for just friendly conversation? Yes. Right. For widows. I'm guessing, I'm guessing you don't swipe, swipe left and right on this, do you? No, no. Send, send the wrong of... message. <laughs> right. Right. Interesting. But, uh, yeah. yeah. I, We're I, trying I, to figure out what is the best way to match people to each other. And over time, AI and machine learning are going to help continue to do that better and better. So. Yeah, I mean, that was exactly what my next question was about, is the technology needed to scale. One of the things I find so fascinating about LifeBio is the work that you're doing in the past, I mean, I could be wrong, but was often relegated to volunteers, even church groups, just a, a, per, a kind person who goes to the, the uh, senior center and talks to people. Uh, this idea of taking that um, that idea and scaling it is really fascinating. F using tech tools to scale very non-tech uh, um, gifts and applications, like like just good old conversation. So, what are some of the tools that you're using to scale? Yeah. So. Uh, first, we continue to build up bio.com and make that easier for people to use. But with my hello, we have uh, just back-end phone systems that are automatically making sure those phone those connections happen every week. So nobody is manually being sure that these two people are talking to each other. Everything is being um, their phone is ringing on either end, right? It's just a matter of picking up the phone. And uh, people have been uh, have online ways and other ways to get ideas of what they're going to talk about. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, we're, we're continuing to build out, okay, how do you uh, engage them? Okay, get them to say yes. How do you onboard them? How do you make sure that they are uh, continuing to have their conversations? You know, there's an auditing of these calls too, right? Is okay. this a good match? So behind the scenes, all of this has to happen and it's being thought through and getting more and more streamlined as we go. So we got, we have work to do. Well, again, we're not done. You've got to have the groundwork laid and we've got the tech groundwork already. It's just speeding yeah. um, things up. In, ter in terms of scale, remind me what markets you're in and kind of where you'd like to move into. Yeah. Right now, the health plans are really interested in my hello. Okay. Because there, there is this, this um, fear. You want low cost, you know, for both Medicare and Medicaid. A low cost, hey, you don't need to have any fancy equipment. All you need is a phone number to participate. Mm -hmm. That is a rare thing. Uh, and to find health plans that are very interested in solving for loneliness is my number one goal right now. So in our in our sales biz dev activity, it is who's who's solving for loneliness? Because okay. if you're lonely, you're going to be more depressed. If you're more depressed, you may have higher incidences of Alzheimer's disease. Mm -hmm. I mean, all of these are billion dollar problems yeah. that we're trying to address. So uh, the health plans are our biggest uh, target with my hello right now. This is kind of a, a big picture question. Um, how do you see my hello and some of the products that you're doing as a, a, a reaction to social media? So something like Facebook, everyone's got a phone. It kind of purports to connect people and give them a sense of community. And yet we've seen uh, the opposite can happen uh, and people can get into these uh, unhealthy echo chambers. You can feel even more alone online than uh, you did before, like you're, you know, isolated within a crowd. So, you know, how, how much, how do you see like a person to person conversation as kind of a reaction or response to social media? If at all. I mean, it's a much more rich experience. It's nothing like the feeling you have from a social media connection. It is I mean, I've experienced it so many times myself, so I'm just excited to give other people this experience. It's, it's an intimacy uh, mm. of a conversation, you know, is in no way, um, you know, this isn't a romantic relationship. This is a, is a relationship where this is my new best friend. And to have people have that reaction to like, think about it, you're 85 and your friends, some of them, your best friends in your local area, have passed away. Your daughter is busy. She's trying her darndest to help you, but you, when she calls, you're thinking about, oh, I need to ask her about this or this or this, like concrete things that need to be done, right? Mm -hmm. Wait a minute. Now I have my 85-year-old friend and we get to talk about the things I want to talk about, which I get to listen. So there's intimacy as I listen to her. She hears me. I hear her. Um, so rich it's yeah. unlike in the and we're and we're told we're given great topics each week to talk about okay so we're walking through like here's the other thing even if you say see somebody you know at the grocery store you know and you're wearing a mask right now fine 
you're going to be like, oh, how's it going? Oh, good. Oh, it's kind of cold out today. You know, hey, go, you know, whatever sport team and yay, how's your knee feeling today, Jean? I mean, that's the normal conversation. Yeah. Boring. I mean, sorry. Families, yeah. stop it. I mean, that's boring. Yeah. Family should stop. Friends, I mean, you you got to take it to a different level. And so that, there's where reminiscence is. It reduces boredom. You're teaching and informing someone. Yeah. Nothing is more fascinating than another human being. Yeah. So people are out there doing their crossword puzzles. Yay. You know, do all your brain fitness stuff. But there's nothing more amazing and complicated than another person. How cool is that? I love it. I love it. Um, <laughs> okay. You said that prompts are sent out on a weekly basis. Give me an example. Yeah. Describe a childhood memory. Uh, riding your bike, playing with your friends. Yeah. Uh, tell me about your grandparents. What, what were they like? Um, what was a day like at your work? You know, what was your favorite work? What was your least favorite work? Mm. I mean, here's the thing these questions need to be positive or neutral in their approach. They need to be asked in the right order in the right way. I mean, those are a really important thing for yeah. them to know what's safe to talk about too, right? It's over time we've learned, okay, this is, this is good. It's rich. It's safe. And, and we give people like follow-up ideas too. So I'm just giving you some basic topics, yeah. but there's even more. If they got to go further, right? We're trying to say, we're giving them training too to kind of keep going. Why? How did that happen? Yeah. I love thinking of the ancillary benefits of this training just in life. You're meeting with your friends for a drink and you start asking better questions. It's great. Yes. Let's, they so have let's, said that. They're yeah. talking better to their own family. Yeah. So isn't that amazing to have them have shared interests, shared experiences with their phone, my phone, hello friend, right? And then they, they see that uh, translate to their other friends or their sister or their I, daughter. I love, I love thinking about this. Uh, you mentioned in the realm of a crossword puzzle, we talk about these games we can play to keep our brains elastic, you know, and the importance of it. And some people are obsessed with crossword puzzles for that reason. But this idea that the complexity of another individual interacting with them is, is the, you know, is just the top <laughs> when it comes to keeping yourself elastic uh, and engaged and uh, energized. Yes. In life. Let's, let's transition. Yeah, I think, wait, I have to tell you this. My, okay, one of ahead. our my, my Hello Guides, we hire older people to work in this life, My Hello Guide platform mm -hmm. where they're calling out to visit with people, right? When, when we don't match, we have guides. And one of them is maybe she's 65, 67, something like that. She's being inspired by the 82-year-olds she's calling that are like still out, you know, walking every day and, you know, telling her all the things. She's like, I got to up my game. Mm. Like, <laughs> you know, that idea that you're inspiring other people to yeah. take better care of themselves yeah. eat better, whatever. I mean, that, that, that speaks to um, the benefit of this to an entire generation of, of recent retirees. You think about someone who engages at that level at 65, 70, and maybe they're going through a little bit of a personal crisis themselves, an identity crisis as they 
end a career and look for what's next and to engage um, as a helper, but then realize that they're receiving, you know, it's, it's a, it's a dual benefit. That's awesome. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about life bio memory since that's new and you're developing it uh, for Alzheimer's. You've got an SBIR grant. Why was that grant important? The grant was very important because it's funded a huge new part of our technology team. Okay. So they are experts in AI and machine learning and natural language processing. It allowed, allowed us to bring on uh, Northwestern University to help in some you know, capacity too beyond our tech team. And life bio memory is reimagining everything we've already built in, into its most simple form, voice-based form. We know power, the power of voice, right? We've all used Siri, we've all used Alexa. Mm -hmm. So the the thing is, how do you, I said people are complicated, right? Life bio memory has to take in that story, process it, summarize it, right? The future is that I'm not only going to have the story for me easily because I spoke into this or my Mm -hmm. family helped if I had memory challenges, but I'm also going to be able to share that story with my uh, doctor, Mm -hmm. um, my senior living community when I'm on hospice. You know, somebody will know who I am. People with Alzheimer's disease may be in care for three, five, ten years. Yeah. How hard is it to take care of someone you don't know? Yeah. So are you envisioning a, a voice-based prompt system where the person can kind of feed their story in at their, you know, at their leisure? Yes, that's okay. right. So it's just, again, guiding them through. So the life bio reminiscence methods at the core, we're right. asking the right questions, bringing out the story. If you can't do it yourself, your family or a loved one's going to help but again, nobody's sitting, nobody's typing, and you know they're yeah. just talking it. And then um, all the cognitive services out there uh, are being incorporated in this. So complicated, though. It is <laughs> like the different voices happening. The um, the voice of someone with dementia. Are we going to have trouble hearing it? It is. You know, uh, there's a scientific part of all of this, and that is why the SBIR is so important because we have, we are pushing the envelope way beyond anything. Even, even our university partners are like, wow, you're talking about serious differences in what content is coming in. Got it. Okay. So just to understand it at my layman's level, uh, you've got an element where um, the machine learning is going to be able to, start to diagnose, start to understand deteriorations in, in maybe in memory and mental health through the storytelling. So it's like a, like a very strict health component, but then there's also the, the reminiscence therapy more for the family's sake, like helping the staff and family know that person's story as well. So would you, would you say those are two big sort of differentiators? Right. So the first part is just getting the story in the system and understanding that that is in there correctly. Got it. And then there's things uh, of, of analysis happening yeah. as, as, with, as this evolves, right? The sentiment analysis or wait a minute, 
uh, can we detect these uh, conditions yeah. earlier, maybe, as people are using this? Yeah. Gotcha. Many possibilities. Gotcha. So once you sort of figure out the far reaches of the Alzheimer's care, memory care, you can start incorporating that earlier. And so someone who's telling their story at 80 or 75 who doesn't have Alzheimer's yet, you might have the technology on the back end to start identifying things. Right. Right. Is there depression here? Yeah. Is there, is there early cognitive issues that we might hear? Who Mm. knows? You know, we, this is a new uh, world that we're in right now for sure. Fascinating. It is. Yeah. And, and can, can we summarize it? Like I said, the, the getting the story, summarizing the story, and then can we analyze how exciting is it? Because I know the clinicians, the people delivering care to people want to know, they can't read 20 pages about them or listen, you know, or listen online or anything to someone talk for four hours, right? They don't have time, but can this summarize their story into three paragraphs where it's like, Hey Bill, you know, yeah. Oh, I see we're in Vietnam in 67, 68. Oh, I know you love collecting this or that. Oh, wow. You know, I see you were a police officer. No wonder you're up at 3 a.m. Okay. So we want to know the person at the core, Logan, this is, this is a huge remarkable part of what we're doing. We are trying to understand the entire human being. And that is never being known today in a healthcare environment. No, your doctors and nurses, you are a puzzle to them. Yeah. And, and, a, and, and, a, and, a, series, and a series of data points. Yes. Yes. They're concentrating on your physical health. They are not concentrating right now on the mental health or who you are enough. And we are on the cutting edge of knowing who the person is, which could lead to knowing why they have these health issues happening. Right. If you understand at the core, why is this person like they are? Is there anything we can do to help them? Yeah. And you start really understanding the power of lifestyle decisions and kind of where those originated and habits. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. You know, we're getting to the end of our time, but I want to ask you about, you know, you're really suggesting or sort of looking towards a a big shift in how we think about aging and how we think about patients as as whole, you know, story beings with stories. Um, What do you think will be necessary to shift cultural attitudes? You know, we have um, whole industries around senior care and attitudes uh, among caregivers that are, are set have been set for generations what do you think needs to happen to really shift some of those attitudes in the in the right direction so i would say our age tech is at the core of what we're doing i worry about ageism in our society. I think it's alive and well right now. I think we're discounting older people all the time. And I don't think their issues are being addressed properly in the doctor's office, in the hospital, in the entire long-term care system is going to need an overhaul. Um, I think people 
are discounted. They need to, they, they really do have purpose and meaning and wisdom and we are, we are writing people off all the time. And we can't do that. We have just too many, you know, 60 million plus older people in our country and that's even growing. Yeah. So what are we going to do to change the system and stop uh, coming at people saying you, you've got nothing to live for? I mean, really, in a roundabout way, we are not celebrating people. We are saying you're done. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, you don't, you don't matter anymore. Yeah. Well, what I hear, what I hear you saying is it's not a little tweaks, little tweaks here or there we need in senior care, adjusting this technology or this type of facility. It's really an overhaul of our thinking about the value of, of human beings as they age and understanding their stories is a key component to bringing that value. You, you are right. I interviewed a 91-year-old this week and his wife, who was 85. I was helping them tell their story. Who really got more out of it? I did. Yeah. Every time. We are not listening to people in the yeah. healthcare system. Yeah. They are telling us what they need. They don't need just a TV in their room. They need human beings connecting with them. And yeah. this is, mm, I hope this changes yeah. <laughs> or we're going to be in a world of hurt. And, and we did, we could have, we could have uh, learned so much if we listened. Yeah. Well, Beth, I, I think you're onto something. I know you're onto something and um, I appreciate all of your, your dedication and hard work making this a reality. Um, I think you're, you're connecting the dots here in a really important way. And a lot of people are going to benefit. So, Beth, thanks for taking the time uh, to fill me in uh, and thanks for all your, your work. Startup Health invests in health transformers from around the world who are committed to achieving audacious health moonshots. If you want to learn how you can join this community of entrepreneurs, or if you want to connect with one of our 330 companies, go to startuphealth.com. Thanks for listening to Startup Health Now. We'll be back next week.